Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Civil Engineering Vibe Podcast. Now in this podcast, me and Dr. Ghanem Kashwani, we like to speak about different topics. And topics like what we want, for example, startup, entrepreneurship, new trend, mental health and career and self-improvement and self-engineering and sometimes another thinking major. We like also to interview other people from other fields. So we like to get the expertise on how they can benefit us and benefit society. So let us jump to the episode and thank you guys and wishing you the best. Take care. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from where you are. In this episode, we speak with Dr. Anwar Ibrahim. She's half Kuwaiti and half Italian, and she was grow up in Kuwait. And she took her bachelor's in civil engineering from Kuwait University, and she wanted to take a master and PhD in the U.S. And she went back to the to Kuwait to teach. Then in 2013, she started going to construction. Yes, from PhD, from educating, Tell construction, which is difficult in civil engineering, to be honest, to go from academic to career, to, you know, to career and to, to the job, especially in construction. She really shocked us with the episode, really, because she gave a real thing, well, she has the really empathetic, she's a really empathetic reader, and she's really amazed us with many things. Even I, because, to be honest, I watched her video about the Hague video. I will put the link to the show notes for that video. It's really amazing what she do for the leadership and how she become, she makes the construction more empathetic and how they make the construction also more beautiful, which no one, <laughs> if we're honest, this is the first time I hear that in my life. Someone turned construction so beautiful. Wow, GDT amazed us. Let us go to the woods and jump and wish you the care the best. Take care. Bye. So, good evening, Dr. Anwar. How are you? I hope you are doing great. Doing good. Thank you for having me. So can you introduce more about the guest about you and what you are doing currently? Okay, my name is Anwar Al-Ibrahim. I'm an assistant professor at Kuwait University in the Department of Civil Engineering, teaching construction management. And currently, I'm also the assistant director of the construction program, which is the department at Kuwait University, responsible for the supervision of the construction of the new Kuwait University campus. Kuwait University was um, started on current building or um, let me say uh, buildings they were existing. So we never had this, uh, the live campus of a university. And um, we, we, we were assigned the land and then we went through all the master, the master plan and then we started doing all the designs and, and the construction started. So now we're in the phase of uh, handing over some of the projects. We already handed over uh, a big chunk of the project. Handing There is a handing over that's going to happen at the end of this year and beginning next year. And we're also having some um, some other projects uh, in the pipeline. So thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Anwar, for accepting our invitation. You know, my first question, why civil engineering all the way to PhD, construction management? I mean, um, as I said before that I went to your thesis, it's have a very technical part on the structure and the retrofitting the roofing. And then you mentioned the life costing and purely it is about the construction management. Um, you, talk, uh, you talk about facility management. You know, it is in my experience that it was very rare for me to see um, a female engineer from GCC area. She went all the way for PhD and they, she's doing the technical job. So first of all, what is it the passion, how you choose the field? And the second, how you see the construction as industry? You know, many people accuse the industry, it is very 
fragmented. It is very fast-paced, and this is the why the technology is so far in the construction industry comparing with telecommunication. So, what do you think? Okay, so many questions. I'll try to remember them. I'll go through them. Okay, why civil engineering? I think, and this is what I always say, to me, it came by coincidence. Um, I'm actually uh, born to a Kuwaiti uh, father and an Italian mother. And uh, when I graduated from my undergraduate, I had very high GPA. At the beginning, my parents, actually, because I was the only uh, daughter, they have, they have siblings, brothers, but I'm the only daughter. So, you know, coming in from the Arab world, very protective on their uh, daughters. Um, my, my father was not very uh, keen to send me uh, abroad for studying. But when I graduated with a 3.99 GPA from my high school, he thought that it's unfair for him to stop me from pursuing a dream that I have. My dream was just to um, go and study abroad. So then he went to a compromise and he was like, if you're going to go and leave the country, then the only place I would accept it is to be with your uncles in Italy. Naturally, if you think of Italy, what does it come to your mind? It's architecture. So I was uh, sent to, to study architecture in Italy, went to Italy, found the university close to my uh, my mom's family, which is in one of the top university in, in Italy. It's Bologna, and that's actually the oldest university. And then I came back home just to pack my stuff and, and move. And I was on my own expense because uh, Kuwait, Kuwait uh, the government of Kuwait was not sending uh, scholarships. They sent their scholarships to um, London or, or the States but nobody would send it to, uh, to, to, so I was going to go on my own. Went there, found the university, found the dorms, was coming back just to pack my stuff. Then something hit me, just, I think, homesick, just feeling reality now it's real. So I decided not to go. I just came back, decided not to go. Then I had to apply. We, the only government university we had at that time, and at that time we did not have private universities in Kuwait. So the only option was Kuwait University. And I had a high GPA, so I applied. And um, architecture was not uh, was not available at Kuwait University. Uh, the program started in '95. I joined in '93. So the only closest option to architecture was civil engineering. And because of the high GPA, I got accepted from my first choice because we had to have more than one choice. And that's how it started. That's how it started. First two years, math, science. I went very well, and then moved to the civil. Civil engineering, I think. Uh, usually they have the kindest professor uh, and the the subject itself, it's something that you feel. It's not like electrical computer, petroleum. Uh, I think they're more complicated to comprehend or to understand. So civil, you feel forces. You understand how things move under forces. So you start with sta uh, uh, static and then you go to, to uh, strength of material. So they, these are fun, fun classes uh, and logical classes. And once, once you start on a path, um, I had great professors um, who actually made me love uh, whatever I'm studying. Going through that path in the third year, I used to have a dream too of being a teacher. That was my toughest dream. I love teaching. So I was planning to graduate from engineering, actually, and be a teacher, not to pursue my engineering degree. And then in my third year, I met uh, a TA. Uh, she was Syrian. And she asked us, by coincidence, what you, me and my friend, what do you want to do for your, um, after you graduate? So logically was, is to graduate and then work. Um, and then she told me, what do you want to do? And I told her, I want to be a teacher. She said, well, 
you have invested five years to get this degree, might as well be a teacher in that field. So why don't you get Kuwait University? They get yeah, they have an excellent uh, uh, program to send their, the, the students abroad to get their master and PhD. So the idea started, went back home, discussed it with my family. My family are so into uh, education. So that's how it went. Then having a goal of going, then you know that you're competing with other people to get the scholarship because it's one chair that's going to go or one person that's going to go or get the scholarship. So started from the third year to work even harder to um, improve the GPA. And uh, we applied at the scholarship. We were six people competing. And fortunately, I got uh, the, uh, the seat. And I graduated in June 98. In January 99, I was abroad uh, in Oregon State University to do my master's. And then uh, in a year and a half completed, went to uh, North Carolina State uh, for my PhD. And in 2006, I graduated with my PhD and joined Kuwait University as uh, a professor. Never, never um, felt sorry for, for that path. I actually enjoyed every single moment in it. It had its rough rides, it had its um, tough moments, but they were all lesson learned. I believe that every lesson anybody goes through, it's not thrown there for, for nothing. It's thrown there because there are some skills that we have to master because those skills are skills that we will be needing in the next stage of our life. So I, 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 I feel so good or I am happy or I'm grateful of all the experiences and all the people I have met, whether good people or bad people, whether good experience or bad experience, but they're all an addition uh, to my life. And uh, then I joined Kuwait University in 2006. 2013, I got uh, this offer to, to join the construction program. And it was a tough one. It was a tough one because I've been through school all my life, from grade one all the way to my PhD, I never stopped. How much of the working experience I had, I had none, zero. So suddenly you get an offer uh, to head a construction of a 6 million meter square land uh, with the worth of 1.5 billion KD, which is uh, more than, let me say, uh, 4.5 uh, $4 billion. Wow. And it, yeah, yeah. And, and you have never, ever, ever worked in the construction. You have only learned, read, watched, but you have never actually managed. So I was about to reject it, but then consulting with my husband and my family and, and all my friends and everybody told me, Anwar, it's a, it's a lifetime experience. If you, why do you want to reject it? You're scared. You have the qualification. You just need to find your way out. So I joined and um, I always had the set of mind. Yes, I do have the qualification, but I don't have the experience. And yet now I was 30, 37 years old when I joined. And everybody I was working or was working under me, they had like 25 years of experience and 30 years of experience. So looking at me and like, who's this person coming in and leading this whole thing? So I, the first time I met them and I told them, listen, this is my, my luck of life to be here. But for us to succeed, we have to work together. Yes, my position has its own power, but you guys have the experience. So let's work as a team. And definitely we would make good things. And that's how it started. Was always blessed to have amazing people around me. I was always blessed to have great uh, colleagues 
that give an amazing advice. And uh, here we are. After nine years, we have uh, uh, handed over six colleges and we're handing over hopefully two colleges at the end of this year, in addition to all the infrastructure projects. So yes, that's that's my career. I think I think I think Atif, he has more experience in the side. For me, Dr. Anwar, I have been in academia since uh, KG all the way to PhD. Now I'm in the university. I have never been in the site. I need to admit, so I need to be uh, you know to be in the site more. So Atif maybe have more questions. And by the way, my wife she studied in Polytechnico Milano. Ah. She did her graduate study in Como in Italy. Yeah. And she wrote also her thesis by, you know, in, in Italia, Italian, I think. So, so she speaks been there Italian. Times, especially Polytechnico. Wow. You yes, have to meet them. She does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. And uh, I, I think um, Polytechnico Milano is one of the good universities in civil and architecture engineering. They have two campuses in Milan and Como, I remember. And... Um, I think Atif, uh, since, you know, Dr. Nwansi has experience in the site, many times me and you, Atif, we talk about the mental health, the communication. I, I just mentioned in the beginning, the fragmentation of construction. We have vendors, we have contractors, we have the deadlines, we need to meet the time, then we need to compromise the quality, then we need to compromise the design. So Atif, from your experience as a site engineer, how, what the question you want to, you know, to, to ask Dr. Anwar about it, how she... How she handled, I mean, from your own experience. First of all, I really like thank you about that because what an experience to go all the way to the PhD, to go teaching and to go, for example, to go for teaching. Because, for example, personally, me, I hate teaching. I cannot teach someone. I'm the guy, of, I'm short-tempered guy. I'm short-tempered nerve guy. And you go to the all the level to the PhD. So people, when they go to PhD, people tend to go usually to the academic way. They never go, for example, to the, to the industry. And immediately you jump up to... You jump up handling a four billion dollar project. Wow. Like the maximum project I handled was like one billion dirham, like 300 billion, 300 million dollar. And it was crazy. I, can, I was only, I, I, it was crazy. Like we are 18, 18 people in the team. It's not only one person. So you were managing one of the, it's a Chankatis project. You need to have an experience. You need to have, wow. Like, and of course, especially from a management, especially if you, I know the construction, if you don't have the experience of the construction and how to see the construction from, if you've not been in the construction, it's hard, it's tough, especially you cannot run the project because, you know, the construction is challenging. And there are, as Ghanem said, it's fragmented and it's really, it's really there are complicated thing on the project. Unless you've been, you've never been in the site and you never test the site itself. It's hard. It's hard. It's just me. It's hard. So you jump up, you managing one, a $1 billion project that I really salute you for that. First of all, let me let me just just let 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 me just put things uh, yani not to undermine. I, I'm sure what have you've been through, um, Anna. I I I envy you for what you went uh, went you went through because it's the best thing is to start fresh new and go up because when you graduate and you work and this is what I tell my students, it's the time where you can ask. It's a time for you to say I don't know how do you do that. But when you are in a higher position with a PhD and you start asking this question, people would look at what? You know, even your credibility gets rocked. And that's why people sometimes tend not to say, I don't know. They start getting answers that, that does not relate to, to the work itself, just not to ashamed themselves or look in a bad position. 
In my case, I always said, I don't know, and I need help. I don't know, That's and fantastic. I need help. I represented, I represented the owner, by the way. I represented Kuwait University. And the structure this construction was doing, because Kuwait University is not an institute, a construction institute, it's not the Ministry of Public Work. Because this project was under the Ministry of Public Work, and Kuwait University decided to pull the project and, and supervise it themselves. Knowing that they don't have all the different departments needed to do that, and for you to create that, it means that you have to hire people with high experience. But then Kuwait University thought, if I'm going to hire those people, once this project is over, what am I going to do with these people? So the salaries that they were offering were not very uh, appealing to, to attract people with high experience. So what did they did? Uh, the easy way out is to hire a project management company. So the project management company was our army. Then underneath them, we had all the different consultants and the contractors. So our role, our role was to be the owner. Now, what we elected to be differently, we were not an owner role looking from the top. We were there with them in every single part. We were there with them on the site. We were there with all the meetings with the subcontractors, with the contractors, with the suppliers. So we were there with all the problems and that where I gained all the experience because I had 13 projects running at the same time. Usually when you graduate, you work in that one project for five years and then you move. So within 15 years, an engineer, a regular engineer will have like three projects. In nine years, I had 13 wow. projects running and then the least costly one was 1 million KD. No, sorry, 100 million KD. So that's $300 million. So just imagine in nine years, 13 different problems, 13 different complications that in all aspects, contractual, financial, technical, because you had different consultants, you had different contractors. And both of them, the, the, um, the consultants and the contractors were international. So just imagine the exposure that you had. So we elected to be part of that. And that's where we got all our blessing and experience. Uh, Dr. Noor, how, how would that make you a better professor as an academic for your publication, for your journal paper? Is that helping? You know, many professors, they have their own bubble and they keep publishing and keep, you know, have better it's index, better citation. But being in the field and then go back and you publish paper, it helps. I mean, how it helps? Okay, the bad news is that I have no publication. The bad news is that um, I was so emerged in the construction. Um, and in, in the same time, I have family life. I have um, a husband and kids, two uh, small kids to, to, to teach and to be there for them. And there is also in the Arab world, the heavy, uh, the intense social life. So these things, um, I had, I had the choice. I knew if my choice was research, definitely I would find the time, but I did not elect that. Uh, so my publications are null zero. And another thing was very important to me um, in our university or our institute uh, to move from assistant to associate, you're supposed to do like five publications and publish them in, in well-known journals. Mm -hmm. And then to move from associate to full, you have to do 10 publications. Now, if you look at the spectrum of publications, you would see somebody working on different fields just to collect those five. I always wanted, that was my dream, to have a line of speciality. Once I have this line of speciality, I would like to do my publication all in that line. Mm -hmm. 
Because then, after that, when people would like to look for an expert in that field, then that's the person doing that. So maybe that's too um, uh, optimistic or let's say too... Um, Uh, I don't know what to say the word. In no, no, actually, Dr. No, it is really, uh, I really appreciate your way because you want to be an expert. And correct me if I'm wrong, there is something in academia called professor of practice. So a professor of practice, usually you get your, your professorship after, you know, they consider all your um, real life work and uh, they consider even different things. And you become a professorship. You know, many people... And they think that professorship is an academic degree. It is not. It is a job. It is a job title. You know, many people, especially in the architecture school, they only have a master's degree and they are a professor. You know, people still, they don't know that. But as you said, maybe, for example, you know, I saw many people who come back to the industry now when they publish, they put a very case study, you know, tangible. They can, when they explain, it's totally different. Sure. And maybe Atif, you can share your experience when, so Atif, when he got his master's degree, he was telling me that when the professor, he came out from industry, usually he get, he can see the information better, he can digest the information better. So Atif, maybe you can share your experience about that. Well, actually, I agree with Ghanem said, because uh, we have to, when I was studying, like when I said my master's degree, we used to have, we called it professor in practice, which people, we have to have mm-hmm. master's degree, non-PhD, but they have like, 20 plus years of experience, like they have a lot of experience. And they are mm-hmm. doing this teaching, uh, they are lecturing for a part-time. So they have a full-time job. So they are giving experience, they are giving that. I was, I, to, to be honest, I loved the way they are, they are the way they lecture the, the courses. But to, to be honest, they are lecturing better than a full-time professor. Because to be honest, they are giving the example from real-time experience. Like, for example, like, for example, when they are giving, for example, uh, One project in geot- advanced geotechnical, they said, we work in this project with this client and happened to that with this client and we resolve with this client. So people will understand it not only from just a way to get it, you know, just a great and that's it. They're giving it from the way of educating you and giving it how it can applicate to a real life example. And that and that was really amazing because because I remember that there was there was there was one course, it's been taught by two professors, by two instructions. One is a a professor in practice and the other one was a full-time professor trust me the people who's full-time professor used to skip the class they are going to the professor's practice because he has that experience and the way he experienced it very fun, fascinating way very fantastic way so really i resonate with what said about that but uh, going back to your uh to your uh to your to your to your, to your contract you were doing like client representative or bmc I was doing, excuse me, I didn't hear you. Like there are the two types of contracts. The other type call it the client representative where you have representatives, the client contract, and the other one is going to PMC, project management consultancy. No, it's a PMCM. PMCM. It's a PMCM, PMCM. project PMCM. management construction. Yeah. But l- l- let me just elaborate a little bit on the point you were saying about the professors um, that are educate, education, just purely education. And I joined Kuwait University and, and regarding the, profesh- uh, the, uh, the uh, professor with profession, This system does not exist in my institute. My institute is for you to um, get a higher rank. You have to do research. So we all know since we joined that for us to, to get to a higher rank, we have. To. But then you have these side jobs that they are. you can only hire in them professors from the university. So I got that luck to be in the construction, and that's my field of expertise. Mm. So not a lot of people that get, get this opportunity. It's a golden opportunity that you learn from within where you work, um, uh, real life experience. Now I joined 2006, uh, Kuwait University. 2013, I joined the project. 
I know myself now. I remember myself when I used to teach uh, from 2006 to 2013. And when I taught after having that experience, totally different. At the beginning, I'm, I'm giving example from what I read, from what I Google, from what I see. But they do not relate to my world because those books are American books, European books, them to, 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 uh, to the students or to the examples of my country. When I got exposed to those projects, which is the field where I am now, yani, that was beautiful. So every day I teach, there is something I recall that happened today that matches what I'm teaching. So definitely, even myself, I feel, the way I teach, the way I explain, the way I, the way I teach the subject, and then you have to get a story to verify whatever you taught. Or it's like telling them, you know this, what I taught you, this is how you will see it in the real life. But if you don't have that experience, it's so hard to do this match. Yes, definitely, you're going to teach the, te the technicality per perfectly and with the best way of teaching. But you don't have this nice story where you could relate that point to where it sits in the story of life. I agree with you because to be honest, to be honest, like what you said that because I, as, as the professor who was teaching us, the professors in practice, the guy who was in profession and who was lecturing us, you know, because he was giving, okay, we used to start as a, it was a British system. Our university was a British system university. Mm -hmm. But the guy was a full time professor who had no kind of experience. He was teaching it from mm -hmm. an example in British or an example is not a practice in the Middle East. But when we studied that, they are giving a real Middle East example with a real project, life expanded project. So I resonate with that. Wow, I agree with that. But going on, how was your experience? Which was experience like teaching or going to the management level? Yeah, definitely teaching. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You know what? Teaching is a clean world. Construction, it's not a clean world. I agree. There's a lot of, there is a lot of discussions. There is a lot of, uh, teaching is so pure, you know, and, and the results, you see them like four months after it. Construction, it needs time, at least two, three, three years to see the fruits of what all the fights and all the investment you did. You would see it within best, in best case scenario, if it's a big project, four years, three years, four years. But in teaching, you have those elements in class where you could touch their life. And in four months, you could see a change in a human being. And after four years, you hear that human being going out and coming back to you and thanking you for that incident. This um, satisfaction, you would not see it or feel it anywhere else, but only if you're a teacher and you love what you do. So Dr. Anwar, correct me. Like I can sense that you have a passion in teaching because you are impacting it. There is transcendence. You are impacting people's life and you see that your value, this is your own mission as Anwar, your mission to impact people's life. And this is why you love teaching. And uh, I really appreciate this because me as, you know, adding value to people's life, I think it is, um, it is the top of uh, uh of the human needs you know there is maslow pyramids and uh, there is something called the extended maslow pyramid and maslow he just updated his triangle and he said transcendence that it is a human need to impact people uh, surrounding him and this is the pure you know the most the holy people they affect uh, uh, their surrounding and their circle by in impacting and this is it is the uh, the pure message of being professor or a teacher but me and Atav, we discuss about teaching these days, especially in engineering. I think we need to update the curriculum. Uh, 
We mentioned about uh, courses like entrepreneurship, mental health. Uh, these things should be updated, even with the Industry 4.0. I mean, now, I don't know which kind of program they are using in construction management, like BIM Digital Twin. So what do you think we need to update, especially in civil or construction management? Should we include these things like mental health, entrepreneurship, uh, uh, the new technology like BIM and this stuff in our curriculum to have better engineer on the site? Definitely. I think that um, I'm not an expert in curriculum development, but uh, what I think is that, um, let's, let me say my times in the 90s or the 80s or before that, knowledge is gained mainly from professors. Uh, you had some textbook uh, references, not like nowadays. Nowadays, information, it's at the click of a button. You have it on your mobile. You have it on the laptop. You have it everywhere. Wherever you want to go, there is a way to find this information that you want. So mainly, I see the professor now as a different type of guidance. Um, I think uh, principle, ethics. These things has to really, um, because with social media and the internet, um, there is no filtration of what's right and what's wrong. Now, where does that come? Either from home, society, or from school. So I think on that level, a lot of things have to be worked out. And there is a new uh, field of knowledge called um, uh, what do you call emotion intelligence. I think this is so important to be taught because my personal experience, um, construction is a very dry industry. That's my experience again. They deal with it as uh, um, management skills and then strategies, but nobody understands that whoever is going to run this all this plan is a human. And unless you you talk to them as human, you treat them, you treat them like human, the results are going to be always the minimum. I experienced that personally with the close contact with the workers whom from our countries they're usually not locals usually they're expats but when those people they feel your compassion when they feel your empathy you have to see the results that they come out with I go to my projects I, I assign a day for every single project not only to see the progress but just so the workers that Management is there with you. Management, they really do care. I know you're working to get salary, but there is a satisfaction that they get when they see acknowledgement, when they see somebody thanking them for their effort. The amount of energy that they will place in doing the work had, gets a better result than just keeping them doing their work. They will do their work. Definitely they will do it because they will be paid for it. And if they don't, they have to redo it. But when there is appreciation, you have to see the results. They do it with love and anything done with love has a better result. So definitely emotion intelligence. And that's something I would love. Remember when you asked me about research? Mm -hmm. I never wondered, I always wondered what am I supposed to work with and, and researching. I think adding emotion intelligence to the construction. I really resonate you with that because this is very fantastic because to be honest, I have a personal issue with the emotional intelligence when I work at construction, because I agree with you, construction is dry and hardcore subject and the hardcore field. And it's really tough, really tough. It's very one of the toughest like job in the market, especially if you are working in an area like here. 
Yes, it's very tough and very hard. So I really resonate with that. And I was personally, I took it even personal from the emotional intelligence. So I took a course 2018 myself in emotional intelligence, how to improve my emotional intelligence because really, it's, it's really, it was really very hard for and very, it was very tough and very experienced. And I wish if she taught us emotional intelligence and I love your leadership, like showing leadership from a place of empathy and be empathetic to the people and to the tight team or to the team member, even to the labor, to the team member. Because to be honest, because to be honest, I never see this in construction. I'll tell you, I'll tell you just a small thing. Usually construction, there is power. You have the owner's power. You have the project management's power, the consultant's power. I agree. It's how to manage those powers without letting any one of them supersedes the other. So, I remember the first time I joined the meeting, and you just see them how they, they, they talk to each other with an authoritarian uh, language and a voice, and a humiliation. And to me, that was not acceptable. So, because I'm a female, also, people tend also to keep the voice low and the language different. So that's another impact. And and by the way, I do believe that in any field, there has to be both genders. God has created both genders to complete each other, not for any gender to supersede on the other. So if they're there in a balanced way, and if both of them know and understand that they have to help each other, not to be superior than the other, then the result is always better than anyone, any any result done by one gender. So being there as a female definitely kept voices down and kept the language different. Adding to that, they all knew that I don't like as an owner. I'm the top now. I'm the top authority, but I never, ever use the top. I always get out of the meeting, everybody happy. We all have to understand. I know that even every party has or every stakeholder has their own uh, benefit or uh, their own goal. But if we make one goal for all of us and we work towards that goal, we definitely reach faster and with a better result. I completely agree with you with that. I completely resonate with that because construction shall be a mixed gender. Unfortunately, we, I know that it's not a mixed gender. There is disparity in the gender and the construction. And I, I understand that. And it's so toxic masculine in the construction side, especially, you know, we have taxon. It's so masculine. It's so toxic. And I know, I because when you said, I see, I know the language in the meeting and we know how to language the meeting construction. I've been there and I saw there and now, we saw how people were shouting and I think the bad words yeah. to each other in the construct and the, and the meetings and everything. So I've been in that field. I know and I resonate how it is sometimes it goes, sometimes personal, sometimes it goes even. Sometimes it goes personal, it goes like yeah. what my company wants. And it, it becomes so toxic at the end. It becomes so yes. toxic because uh, from my experience, it becomes everyone I want. It's, it, I agree with you. We should have at least one goal. Of course, every company has, every part in the project has this goal. Of course, contractor have to do the project with that, you know, with the, with the, with the, with the profit and consultant will do the project with the minimum client he wants to But at the end, we are talking about the one project. We are one team in the side. For sure. I know. I know each, each party wants his benefit. And this is true. Like, okay, I can resonate with that. But sometimes it goes like, rather than we are working to one goal, the project, I want to work with my own party. And this is what the project always destroyed. That reason we never see any project finish on time, to be honest. I never see yes. yeah, that is sorry for 
but but the project not on time there are so many other factors about it um, there is um um uh, the the process of of approvals there is um definitely yeah. the financials of the project yeah. but again again i think if the owner this is my uh, let's say um summary of my experience if the owner rep is involved if the owner rep understands there is no uh uh, uh, she should not allow any uh, power to supersede on the other because contractors usually they want to save. This is for a fact. The consultant, the consultant, they want to they want to make life harder for two reasons. They want the design to be or the contract to be as perfect as it is, and at the same time, the longer they the longer the contractor stays, the longer their contract stays. True. So keeping this in mind, so you have to have this balance interference where you have if you're you're involved. You would know if that consultant um, is is rejecting or stopping the work for no reason, or there is a reason for that. And if the consultant and contractor know that the owner is there, trust me, they would deal with each other differently. But if you pull yourself out and you're just monitoring it from the top, the consultants sometimes do give hard time to the contractor. And another thing, in our world, we always look at the contractor as a thief, as somebody that's going to come and steal. I always tell my students, look at him as a victim, not as a thief, because he got the project, at least uh, the government project, he got it with the lowest price. He had to compete, so he had it with a lower price. Definitely he's going to, to change things or propose something. So you have to keep an eye. But again, from my own experience, once the contractor feels that the owner is not there to kill him, the collaboration is huge. I really, I want, I was gonna love because, because to be honest, when you said that the contractor are victim, because I work as contractor and I work as consultant, and I have, okay, I have more experience consultant, another contractor, so we know that. Of course, we have this mentality. When we go to the site, contractor always cheat and he try to save some money, and this is, and especially because I'm a site inspector, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, so you know how we are, we are, we are looking from contractor. I understand. Okay, sometimes the contractor has some right and he has in the budget and tight budget. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes the tight budget that can I introduce the cost. There are other things that go in the project from the value engineer and the cost saving and many things. Yes. I don't, I don't, we need a full of a sort about the project how to do. And okay, I agree with you. Yes, of course, it's, it's a flock. Look at the victim, it will be hard to me, especially I work a contractor and consultant. I would be difficult to look contract as victim. Because again, if we if we deal with each other, again, if we deal with each other as, as us, as a team. Yeah. We look at things differently. Yeah. There is ups and downs, yeah. definitely. There are days where they go out of the way, we go out of the way. There are so many other, but if we keep on focusing on one goal, if we keep on focusing that the end result will be, um, will have a positive impact on everybody, contractor completing the work properly and on time, it's going to have a good impact on his reputation. The consultant helping it, also he will have an impact with the owner that that's a good consultant to deal with in the future. So, and, and the owner, if he is involved and there to facilitate the contractor, you would see the impact. And Anna, I have our contractor. They definitely keep on saying, we love dealing with the ownership of Kuwait University, although we are not experienced and although we did not do any other projects before. I like what you said about client involvement, because to be honest, when I work in many projects before, some clients, they don't come except at a progress meeting and that's it. Like it's once yeah. a week or once every two weeks. And sometimes we say, what are things that, okay, I'm going to, okay, I don't care. 
at your at your problem. You consult and contractor fight each other head to head. It's not my business, not my problem. You go, guys, and resolve it. I need only the project has to be with the with the cheapest thing and with the fight with the time and the progress. I don't care. You people find whatever fight at the side. So I love your leadership. Okay, you have to involve and you go because to be honest, I watch your video about the hack project and what you did and. You go every day to the site and you go by yourself to the site because, to be honest, I never see clients go to the site. <laughs> Maybe they can go; they are going once in a month or once even yeah. every six months. To be honest, because I never see from my experience. This is. I tell I tell people if you if you start going to the site, you get attached to it yeah. because you so you see something growing. The point is, you see something growing. In my case, I don't know; it's by coincidence or it happened well. I use the social media. The social media had the greatest impact on this project. I know sometimes when you tell people, it sounds so silly, but you do know the impact that I had on those workers. They keep, because we go on every week with like every visit, there is a target for the week after based on the plan. And sometimes even with no yeah, we, we go faster than that. But them knowing that if they did a great job, we're going to have that selfie. And I usually write a special note dedicated to the team. How they brag about it, it makes them work hard for the next week. I know, I, I always tell people, I know it's something very simple, but it does have an impact. Dr. Dr. Anwar, um, I think what you, you and Atif, you said, I think, um, remind me about the book that I put it now in the chat box. Me and Atif, we talk about this book, it's called The Fearless Organization. And the... Um, the author, she, uh, she mentioned that creating safety climate is the most healthy thing in any organization. And what we are saying in the organization, either it is inside the office or in the site. Cre creating the safety climate, as you said, where there is appreciation, there is improvement. There is dedication. This is the question. Appreciation, it gives you dedication. They will go the extra mile. So the equation that you said, it is exactly in the book. And I highly advise anybody to read it. And um, maybe I, you said, uh, you said, what should I write? I think construction psychology is a new area, uh, positive psychology in construction. Maybe you can start writing maybe a book or a journal paper about the psychology in construction, you know? And you, ha you, know, you have all the lab work already, you know, you have all the results, the case study, and you can mention it. So maybe this is an area because um, you, 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 you can get the literature from, uh, you know, from the journal, but the case study, uh, you, you have it. So maybe this is a good area to write as a journal paper, conference paper. Uh, and I think you write it with love because you witness these things. And uh, for example, the psychology yeah. and construction. So I think this is a good suggestion uh, that you can start from it. I will take it, definitely. I will take your suggestion uh, to heart because it is a field that I'm interested. And if somebody would ask me, if time goes back, would you be a civil engineer? I used to, I used to answer, I would like to go and study psychology instead. But then I said, uh, I know that I have those capability without reading books. I've never read any book about psychology, never. But I do have those skills. I think that's my gift, my gift from God. Those are gifted gifts. So now I, when somebody asks me again, would you go back and change your field? And I would say no, because if I, I was in psychology, then maybe all the civil engineer I've met 
and helped and worked with, I would have not reached them. Because maybe there are people, usually engineers, they don't believe in psychology and they don't go to psychologists. So maybe me being in that field with those gifts was a blessing to me and to the people I worked around. Fantastic, really fascinating. And I like what you said about that. Because, because, because people sometimes said, okay, without engineer, you won't be able to come here and you won't even to do this job and you won't even, even to do that, another job and you won't even to do that. For example, I agree with you. For example, if without civil engineer, I won't even to do have an experience in civil engineer. And so we won't even we're going to do this podcast. So I agree with you. I resonate with that because, yeah, without the civil engineer, I would not, I would just discover we have a passion like podcasting and mental health and psychology. What's mental health, of course, and psychology is a part of psychology. I really resonate with that. So really fantastic. I really resonate with that. And I love what you said, like acknowledge every small activity and discuss the word is like acknowledgement for the for the tide because to be honest i agree with you because many people they are not acknowledging the work even if you will do extra job they never care so really i like i i love the way like you said acknowledgement giving a little bit acknowledgement to the people which it's 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 really uh, supportive it's really helping to improve and to increase the productivity doesn't we don't need them to give him like bonuses or extra money it's just thank you thank you just thank you myself um i i show I, I'm a type of person that I really show when I'm happy. Uh, small things make me happy. You have to see them when I get to sight. They're just waiting for the, oh, wow, what's this? You know, they know I would be excited. So you have to see how they're waiting for that moment. And we keep on doing this every week. And I don't fake it. I really get it. I really appreciate what they do. I really appreciate the heat they work under. I really appreciate them being away from their family. I really appreciate... Yeah, and so many things that they're going through. Once I did not choose who I am. I did not choose being wherever I am. That was my blessing from God. But I always believe that those blessings I will be asked about. What did I do in return? So from my part is to make those people understand that they are well appreciated and that all this construction and this beauty that we're getting in the media and all this credit we're getting, it's because of them. If they were not there, this thing was not going to be there. To be honest, I agree with you because, fantastic, because to be honest, no one, I never see in my life, one on from a management time, from a client representative side, from a, someone like doing that, that, the one giving acknowledgement and someone and giving not only for the pay, for the team, for the labor, for everything. Because to be honest, I never see this in my life. To be honest, I never, I work many projects no one is given acknowledgement. Everyone is it. I only done the job. It's not the team who done the job. And this is really great toxic and great, great toxic environment. Yeah. 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 And b- before before COVID, we used to go to the field before COVID. Yeah. I used to shake hands every single worker, safety officer in the field. Wow. I would shake all their hands just as a thank you and appreciation. Now with COVID, I cannot do that. But I used to do that. Fantastic. Because to be honest, I... I saw some clients when they go to the site and they have the way to treat some safety officer. It's really bad. I don't want to even go through that that talk. I don't want to go through that talk. It's really nasty. I have I saw one experience from my eye. I don't want to say that. So, but how about, for example, because this is, will help, especially the well-being. Because especially well-being now, there is, we, we never, no one talk about well-being in the construction. So, because, you know, construction is very, 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 
fragmented and we see and what you did that that's like one part for improvement the well-being and mental health for labor for the team for safety officer for contractor for consultant so do you believe like mental health and small talk like this should be included in the sites yes yes but see i think no um they will come to sites if you train the engineers to be that way because it trickles down if the let's say i'm the owner mm. if i manage that way it's going to trickle down on the engineers and it's going to trickle down on the workers too mm. so it is it's a culture yeah. you have to build it like safety is a culture um also um the well-being of the other people or treating them in a proper way is a culture too i agree with you because to be honest like sometimes like i even i telling i'm keep telling every weaver like even from in construction or everything like for example if i cannot tell the, the labor or the engineer or the safety officer why you're not wearing following the bbe if his boss is not following how i can yeah. tell to the engineer exactly. like exactly like i work in one project the, the project director was a knucklehead i don't want to even go to that deep deep, deep topic he was, he was the only if you see him at the side if you tell him wearing the helmet it's like something like he take it personal i don't he take it like i'm mm -hmm. a masculine man it's a it's a big story like yeah so i really when i resonate with that when you tell like the safety and well-being shall be included from top management because honestly personally for me when i go to site i make sure wearing four bb is i have the first guy following with the bb because if someone if i'm not following the safety who else will follow the safety true yeah who else true. will follow the safety? you lead by example yeah you lead by example yeah otherwise other otherwise even sometimes we even sometimes some clients are there reacting and following the safety and because to be honest some clients they are they are very very reluctant following the safety like they are above the power they are power they have the full power when and sometimes trying we convince them but they said, they said no we will not follow so i agree with you and even the well-being this i agree with you like from the top management really fantastic it was really so any final thought from you dr Bromar? Um, first of all, I would thank you for this uh, beautiful podcast. Um, by the way, that's my first podcast, just to let you know. Really? Uh, and so thank you with you guys. Yes, that's my first one. Um, first of all, as I said, thank you for this opportunity. And um, thank you also for the suggestion on what should I work on for my pieces, because I'm still wondering, not pinpointing what I want. But I think, again, construction is beautiful but it's going to be even more beautiful if people started dealing with each other as human. Yeah. Um, but the, the construction itself, I never thought that I would love it. Never. But again, I was blessed with amazing engineers, people with experience, people that gives me contractual insight because reading contracts and knowing how to deal, learning how you should talk to the one in front of you to lead to wherever you want to go. That's, that's not an easy task. And it does not come by reading the book. It comes through experience and knowledge. I was blessed to have great people around me um, that they taught me contractual, technical, field work, um, uh, even the cost, how to analyze the cost, look at cost um, effects of all these aspects together, how one aspect would affect the other. Those experiences, you could never never read a book and you could never even publish a book that brings this so experience i always define experience as the number of 
problems you go through. So if you say somebody is experienced, it's because that person has gone through, let's say, so many problems that for the next time when the same problem comes in, he does not take as much time to resolve it because it's there and he has been exposed to it. So as much as knowledge and, and the degree uh, and science is important, it's also important uh, the field experience. And this is a suggestion I always tell my students that once you graduate, even if you have a desk job, please find time to go to the site uh, and learn. And especially from the worker, the labor, you learn so much out of them, just ask them. And to them, you're making them a favor because you're giving them importance and telling them how important this information you're giving me is to me as an engineer. Because he, look at, he looks at you as an engineer, as a higher rank. But if you go down to that person and tell him, no, we are there together to help each other. You help me with knowledge. I help you with approvals and stuff like that. This harmony changes the way uh, we deal with construction. So um, this is my hope for construction is to have more, uh, uh, more humanity in it. I love what you said when they said construction is a new school. It's a school shall be taught because construction really is schools of experience for engineering and people have it done. And I love what you said about it, like people shall go to the site to get clean and certain and everything. So because my final question, because since you bring this, shall you be, we have more of co-op programs where people can educate and go to the site simultaneously because they have in the US, they call something is a co-op on the British system, even they have apprentice program. Do you believe in them? I think we should. In our in our institute, we do have uh, like a three-month uh, training program yeah. where the students would go. But the internship is two, three months. Yeah. It's nothing. It's nothing. No. Um, I think at least a year, I think at least a year would be so helpful. Um, my, my, my father graduated from Germany uh, as an uh, electronic engineer. And part of their curriculum that they have to work for a whole year. And it makes the biggest difference because in school, they teach you the tools. Like let's assume you are a carpenter. They teach you what does the saw does, what does all the different tools, what do they do? But how you bring them together and how you use them in a professional way, that's the only way you learn that is when you start practicing and actually working. So yes, we teach them knowledge. We teach them a different way of doing things. But it's just science. Now, for him to understand, he has to go and work with his hand, see how things are, are happening. And within that year, he's supposed to go from different departments. He's supposed to go to the field, the contract department, the coast department, uh, the quality control. He has to go through this where there is a clear program and where they explain what's the role of whoever is in that department and what do they do and give him part of that job for him to feel, then, then he will actually know where is his strength. Because we graduate as, as, uh, as engineers and uh, where do you wanna go? Well, let me go to structure. Well, let me go to construction management. But they actually don't know what's the role of that, of that uh, department. So if you take them in that year in different uh, department, they start creating an idea. Yes, maybe they, then they would change it, but at the beginning they would start creating an idea knowing where they wanna go. I agree with you because to be honest, it should be taught like 
which what we call it like this is, should be do it like in this way so people will know which department what structure what everything even though they can't have a background of the civil engineer at overall even shall be for me my personal it shall be from high school start even giving acknowledgement what if you major going what if you control because that we call it career education so you believe in career education shall be taught even from high school not even university yes sure yes yes life is changing even the way we educate them or 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 how we transmit education to to the youth has to change has to be dynamic I agree with you. It should be changed. Even the education system, I'm telling you, me and Ghanem, I'm telling you, the education system nowadays is medieval because they have been from 20 years and they never changed the system and they never changed the curriculum and the same curriculum. We are teaching it from 20 years. It never changed. I agree with you. Really, I agree with you. Fantastic. I agree with you. Really, I agree with you. It had to be changed. There are a lot of things to be changed. Wow, fantastic. So I really, we, we really carry it. Thank you, really. Thank you, really. appreciate it, Dr. Dr. Anwar. And for sure, thank I will you. put the video for the hack for what you said, the hack, I will put it in the show note, for sure. Because that's one of your targets. On another closure, on Hex's uh, interview, I always tell, I told people that what I learned mm. is that you should not go and seek what you love. You should find what you love and what you do. Usually, when we don't like a job, we go say, let me find another job. It's not about finding another job. It's about finding what exactly do you love doing and dig into wherever you are now and find and actually perform what you love and what you do. For myself, I love teaching. I love having the human interaction. At the beginning, I did not like construction when I was sitting in the office. That was my role. That was my job description. But when I started, when I figured out that the reason I love teaching is the human interaction, and then I start going to the field. So I took what exactly I love, implemented it on wherever I am. And that's when I started loving construction. I agree with you because, to be honest, you are the first one who said you are aware of construction. I never see any engineer in my life saying he loves construction, to be honest. So really, wow, because I see when you said you love construction, I said, wow, fantastic. I never see someone like that in my life, really. So really, thank you. Really appreciate it for sure. And we can, for sure, we have to bring you again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Take my care. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Take thank care. you. Bye. Wow, what a great episode with Dr. Anwar. We speak even, we have a little talk after the show. We speak a lot of things. And she amazed me when she told me that in that project where she's running off, they have an RE who's a female. Wow, that's fantastic. That shocked me, really shocked me. Usually we don't, it's not common. We have, I never see it in my life there is a female who's an RE and female who's an inspector also. There are females who inspect and there are females who work in construction and contractor. Wow, she's really amazed me. I never heard this in my life. Really, I'm, I was shocked when she told me. Even she speaks the way they contract and she was a professional some man. She put an interactive way to make the professional some of the construction in very, very interactive and very valuable way. And what we call it value engineer now. Wow, she shocked me. And if it's like her leadership, like her leadership, they have one of the few clients that we have of leadership like that. Really, to be honest, because I see many clients when I was working construction, they don't have leadership like her. Empathetic leadership, going to site every day, checking what's the way, going to the bottom level. That's a leadership. So what do you guys think about this episode? Do you like, do you like, do you have any old thing? So if you like this episode, please guys, share it to someone and tell them why this episode is valuable to you. So thank you guys and wishing you the best and take care and bye. It was nice to meet you and the member guy. We raise by sharing the knowledge to everyone. Sharing is caring. 
It was nice to meet you guys and wishing you the best. Take care, guys, and wishing you the best. You guys have a good, good day and good night.